BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. We all know by now that atrocities were committed by Hamas last October 7th, which kicked off a vicious war as Israel defends herself from terrorists on every side. The toll on the Israeli people is staggering and massive. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis have been forced from their homes. Entire communities are torn apart. Lives devastated by death and destruction. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is right there in the middle of it all every single day. They're distributing critical essentials for hundreds of thousands of suffering Jews. The need is great, and that's why I'm partnering with IFCJ today. Every donation is urgently needed to help the people of Israel. To donate from your mobile phone, dial pound 250. When prompted, say the keyword, support IFCJ. That's dial pound 250 from your mobile phone and say keyword support IFCJ when prompted. Your gift will be matched to double in impact and help provide twice the support. Again, that's dial pound 250 and say the keyword support IFCJ. Thank you and God bless. Obligation. We all have obligations, don't we, in life? If you're a husband, you have an obligation. Lead your family, provide for your family. If you're a wife, you have obligations, right? Take care of the home, care of the kiddos. We all have obligations. You have obligations at work. You have a job you have to do. Your boss has obligations as well. He needs to provide you compensation for the job. Citizens of a nation, uh, they have obligations. You and I, we have obligations, right? We have obligations to follow the law, most of them. The nation itself has obligations too, though. The nation has obligations. 
when you sign up to fight for your country, you have signed a contract. You now have an obligation. Even in times when you're scared, don't want to go, somebody needs fought on behalf of your nation, you're obligated to go do so. But, but, there's an obligation that goes the other way as well. Your leaders, the people who are in charge, the people behind the scenes, sitting in the air conditioning, moving the chess pieces around, they have obligations too. <clears throat> One of the most base obligations the leaders have for the warriors out there fighting and bleeding is competency. <clears throat> you are owed competency. You're not owed much, and you don't get much as a warrior. You know what you get as a warrior? You get crappy food. You get to see the world. Sure, yeah, sign up, see the world. All the bad parts of it. You know where I saw? You know what I saw when I was in the Marine Corps? I saw deserts all over the place. I saw the jungles of Thailand picking leeches off my body. And I saw the Iraqi desert and the desert in Kuwait. That was a really lovely tour of the world. So you're out there. You're out there in the misery with the crappy food and the crappy weather and the crappy locations. You go for months on end, you don't get to talk to a girl. It's all male units, right? The beds aren't soft. Life's tough. Okay, good. It's part of what makes you being a warrior. But, but, at least in the back of your mind, at least in the back of your mind, you have some sort of assurance that the people who lead you <clears throat> are functional adults. I probably should not have looked at the pictures that are coming out now of the dead Marines, the dead sailor from that horrible explosion in Afghanistan. I'm doing the best I can to keep myself as even keeled and calm as possible. Lost it a little bit last night, as you saw on the first. I am angry. If I could show you the text messages I have from Marine friends of mine, veterans, and currently serving from Army Rangers, from a bunch of Green Berets I know, a couple Navy SEALs. That community is torn up terribly. And it's a different kind of torn up because we've all, we all understand uh, maimed or getting killed or something like that. That's part of the job. It's obviously a terrible part, but it's part of the job. But there's getting killed, and then there's getting killed when you feel like it wasn't justified when you feel like it was someone else's fault, a mishap, a mistake, an intentional wrong, whatever the case may be, when you feel like that life is gone now and shouldn't be, there's an extra hurt, an extra anger that comes with that. And that's what I'm seeing all over the place right now from the men who have fought for this country. It's really, really, really bad out there right now. There is a feeling that the leadership of the military is at best, at best inept, and at worst, <clears throat> complicit. There is a feeling out there right now that the commander-in-chief is not only a, not a person who genuinely cares, they don't feel like he genuinely cares about the troops, the American citizens, they all watched that press conference yesterday. When the President of the United States of America speaks, especially in the wake of something terrible happening, everybody watches. They all watched that press conference yesterday, and they didn't see a functional adult. How in the world, if you're a mother, 
and you got a phone call yesterday that your 20-year-old son, Marine, he just got incinerated in Iraq. The worst phone call in the world. And then you hear the president of the United States of America step up, give some marble mouth, glass-eyed speech, and finish it like this. How in the world are you supposed to feel about your son's death? Thank you. May God bless you all, and may God protect his troops and all those standing watch for America. We have so much to do. It's within our capacity to do it. We just have to remain steadfast. Steadfast. We will complete our mission, and we will continue after our troops are withdrawn to find means by which we can find any American who wishes to get out of Afghanistan. We will find them and we will get them out. Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. That's the commander in chief? That's the man at the top? That's what I have to hear as a father hearing that my son just died? A wife somewhere has to watch the news and see that's the commander in chief, the man making the decisions, or making the decisions after my son just got, got killed in Afghanistan? Does that seem like the nation is fulfilling its obligations to the warriors? Or does it seem like the nation has completely abandoned the people who fight for it? And by the way, I've seen a lot of this in the past couple days, and if I have to hear this one more time, my head is just gonna pop off. I've seen a lot of people saying, you really have to give it to the media. Boy, they've finally been holding Biden. They, they've been holding him to task. They, they've really been going after him about Afghanistan. No. The President of the United States of America just, uh, uh hang on, I just gotta look through some stuff. Alright, they gave, they gave me a list, uh, I've been instructed on, that's how he went to his first question. Why is that reporter, who hears the President talking like that, I was instructed to call on, why does that reporter then ask some random question? Don't even pretend to be a reporter. When you're a reporter and you hear the president say, uh, I was instructed to call on, your response is, instructed by whom, Mr. President? Mr. President, are you not in charge? You are the chief executive, that you were elected, you're the commander in chief, and you just said you were instructed. Mr. President, I'm sorry, I have to ask, I have to set my question aside. Could you please elaborate? For all of America and the world, who's instructing you? Who's running the country? And don't the families of those dead Marines and that dead sailor and those dead soldiers, don't they, don't they deserve to know? Don't they deserve to know who's running the United States of America? This, this cannot continue. This cannot continue. And thank God for Peter Ducey. 12 Marines are dead. You said the buck stops with you. Do you bear any responsibility 
for the way that things have unfolded in the last two weeks. I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late. But here's the deal. You know, I wish you'd one day say these things. You know, as well as I do, that a former president made a deal with the Taliban, that he would get all American forces out of Afghanistan by May 1. In return, the commitment was made, and that was a year before. In return, he was given a commitment that the Taliban would continue to attack others, but would not attack any American forces. Remember that? I'm, I'm being serious. I, no, I, I'm asking you a question. Be, uh, because before... No, 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 wait a minute. I'm asking you a question. Is that, is that accurate, the best of you or not? What? That's our Commander-in-Chief. That's our Commander-in-Chief finally stepping up to the microphone to speak hours after our people were dead. We waited all day for that crap. Can, can you believe this is what we've gotten? And remember what I've told you about these people? And I meant every single word of it every time I've said, there's no patriotism. Not with Joe Biden, not with anyone who surrounds him. No, no patriotism. They, they're out there yesterday. They're cracking jokes. Take a few more questions, and uh, but you, sir. <laughs> I wanted to ask you. You, okay. uh, you say that. Wait, 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 wait. Let me take the one question from the most interesting guy that I know in the press. That's you. That's <laughs> fun, right? The most interesting guy, just palling around. It's a great day. <laughs> We're just a press conference because they don't care. I mean, you see it all over the place. They genuinely do not care. Not a single person in its administration shed a tear last night like so many of my veteran brothers did for the people who died over there. Not one. It's all just political to them. Just trying to weather this storm, wait till those poll numbers start to creep back up. Oh, but remember, the buck stops there. He, he takes all responsibility, right? Ah, except for when he doesn't. On the tactical questions of how to conduct an evacuation or a war, I gather up all the major military personnel that are in Afghanistan, the commanders, as well as the Pentagon. And I ask for their best military judgment. What would be the most efficient way to accomplish the mission? They concluded, the military, that Bagram was not much value added, that it was much wiser to focus on Kabul. And so I followed that recommendation. Buck stops there, right? Buck definitely stops there. And in case you were wondering if there's some kind of end to the ineptitude in this administration, you realize we have Afghan allies over there who fought with us for 20 years. You know the Taliban are still going door to door trying to find these people so they can skin them alive and chop their heads off. And you also understand, not only did we give the Taliban a list of the names of our Afghan allies, the President of the United States of America didn't even bother denying it when asked. 
There have been occasions when our military has contacted their military counterparts in the Taliban and said, this, for example, this bus is coming through with X number of people on it, made up of the following group of people. We want you to let that bus or that group through. So, yes, there have been occasions like that. And to the best of my knowledge, in those cases, the bulk of that has occurred. They've been let through. But I can't tell you with any certitude that there's actually been a list of names. I know there may have been, but I know of no circumstance. It doesn't mean it's not, it didn't exist. That here's the names of 12 people. They're coming and let them through. It could very well have happened. Definitely seems like he's the commander-in-chief, right? Has a really firm grip on what's going on in this country right now. Obligations. We're not fulfilling our obligations to our warriors. This cannot continue. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. we got a great show on Afghanistan tonight. Coming up next, we got a former Army Ranger. He has thoughts. Hang on. Did the president, based on his public comments over the last few days, mm-hmm. did the president see this coming? Well, I think what you have seen the president say, and, and many members of our military and our national security team say, is that we have been closely watching and assessing the threat of ISIS-K, and that we have had increasing concern about that threat growing over the last couple of days. Uh, so this has been a concern uh, that we have been watching, uh, and we saw, of course, the tragic events happen today. And- Joining me now to talk about that idiocy and several other things is Tom Amenta. He's a former Army Ranger, and as much as it pains me to say it, that probably means he knows more about taking airports than anyone else in the world. He's also the co-author of a a book, The 20-Year War. Tom, okay, uh, they were warned, they were warned, and I get a bunch of political speech from this. Uh, Well, we took it under advisement. We certainly heard it. What does that actually mean? Because now I have people dead. Well, let's go all the way back. Because right now what we're watching with this administration is a stunning in real time, uh, if you don't learn from history, you're destined to repeat it. When I talk to all of your you know, all of your viewers, all of your audience, and I say October 3rd and 4th, 1993, everyone goes Black Hawk down. They know exactly what it is. Well, what most people don't realize is that about two weeks after that, Osama bin Laden, then the fledgling leader of this little tiny thing known as Al-Qaeda, released what he called the Paper Tiger Doctrine. And in it, he says, if we can make Americans see themselves bleed on CNN, they will fold like a paper tiger. And then he tried to bomb some embassies. Nothing. Then we bombed the USS Cole. Nothing. Finally, it was 9-11, and then we reacted. So what we're seeing right now in real time is we leave Bagram, which, by the way, you think two more airfield air, airstrips wouldn't be really handy right now? Because I do nothing now isis k does this and we're getting these oh well we were watching it or we were monitoring it like please this is literally history repeating itself in real time for this administration and it's appalling uh, tom will you please explain for people who don't understand i explained a bit of it yesterday on, on my radio show the difference in security between an airport you know Kabul airport and bagram the, the the reason why isis can pull this off at a place like Kabul and not a place like bagram well the one thing that i would say is no security for something that's a fixed point like that is absolute but in the case of bagram we've been there since the absolute very beginning that is 
the closest thing that we are ever going to have to home field advantage in all of Afghanistan is Bagram, is Bagram Airfield. It's two sites. We always controlled it. I mean, I used to run around that thing in 02 and 04 to get my PT in. Like, we know that ground better than anything. In the case of uh, Karzai International, one, you have the civilian side, and then two, you have the military side. So already, you have a lack of full control. Then you're in a much, much densely, more densely populated area in the sense that it's smack dab in the middle of the city, if you take a look at the map. Whereas Bagram does have some standoff, you can control access to it in a much more efficient and effective manner. Tom, I'm going to play you this John Kirby soundbite, and I'm still, I'm still wrapping my mind around the reality of it. Here's okay. Kirby. In terms of ISIS-K, how many ISIS-K prisoners were left at Bagram and are believed to have been released from the prison there? And why weren't they removed before the U.S. pulled out to someplace like Gitmo? Well, um, I, I don't know the exact number. Clearly, it's in the thousands when you, when you, when you consider uh, both prisons, because uh, both of them were taken over by the Taliban and emptied. But I, I couldn't give you a precise uh, figure. Definitely seems like they have a good handle on things. Just want to clarify this for, for everybody listening. We had a bunch of ISIS guys in our hands, and then we just left Bagram, and what? We just left them some playing cards and food and water? Tom, is that what we did? Uh, I think we left them the keys so they could just open up the doors and waltz out. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is, one, this is one of those points that myself and a lot of other veterans and a lot of other guys that, that have done the job I used to do have all been like, some things are worse than others, right, Jesse? Like, you know, you, you make a mistake and sometimes you can walk it back. They just let a decade, like the post-Osama bin Laden, you know, how are we going to do this? A decade worth of people that weren't quite the worst of the worst to get themselves dropped into Gitmo, but certainly bad enough that we don't ever want them on the streets again, so we threw them in a dark hole, you know, and locked it up, out. And then... The other thing that I find just fascinating is this administration continues to rely on the Taliban for American security, which is a whole other thing that could be its own 20-minute segment. We are now listening to the Taliban trying to spin their own PR of like, oh, yeah, we didn't sanction these guys. Now, ISIS-K and the Taliban don't particularly like each other, but are we really surprised that the enemy of my enemy is my friend right now? Because I'm not. Why don't they like each other? Oh, so that's... <laughs> Uh, one part control of the organization, you know, of the of the country in the Taliban. One part access to the money, the opium, the the illicit activities there. Another part of just the radicalization and the evolution of the mutation of what they believe that they claim is Islam. Which, if you followed that religion for all thirty seconds, you realize it absolutely isn't. Um, it's those ideals. It really just boils down to who control what. Will you explain the opium angle? I think a lot of people, they maybe have seen a snippet or two of it on the internet, but they don't really truly understand. Tom, please explain. So if you go all the way back to 2001, one of the biggest sort of subtext there is that roughly 85%, I think I've got that set right, I have to double check it, but well over 80% of the world's opium all came out of Afghanistan. Afghanistan has no cash crops, what to speak of. Um, it's incredibly poor, significantly under the po poverty line, and its major form of... Um, financial revenue, quite frankly, was through the opium trade. And the new wrinkle to that, and the even worse thing, and they're not even being cute or trying to hide this, by the way, is the major transit for that now is through the Haqqani network in tribal regions of Pakistan. There are already pictures 
all over the internet. As a matter of fact, one went viral where someone was like, oh, look at the 511 hat on this guy. They're trying to pretend like they're Americans. Ha ha ha. He's guarding Haqqani. They're in a Taliban meeting right there. It, it, it's absurd. Like, you have two of the world's biggest problematic drug traffickers in a room at the same time, and they're like, oh, yes, we are 100% working together. God. All right, this book, The 20-Year War, it chronicles 71 veterans of the war in Afghanistan. Look, I had never stepped foot in Afghanistan. I was an Iraq guy. You were, mm-hmm. the floor is yours for a minute. What are you going through at the moment? So, actually, um, the book's... People all across the global war on terror. We've got some people in Afghanistan, some people that went to Iraq, like you did, uh, did both, some more of the Africa stuff. Um, you know, it's it's really for everyone. It's a beautiful portrait book. It's right there. There's the capitalist in me. Um, how am I feeling right now? I'm upset. And I'm upset because I can't understand why the administration continues to make the decisions that it does and why it continues to try and repeat history in the worst way on earth that led to the deadliest attack in American history, because that's exactly what they're doing. And I don't understand why, I, I, I don't whether he's not listening to his advisor, advisors, whether he is not um, paying attention, I, I don't get it. And that's I'm just upset. Like, I'm just angry at this point. It's like, how how much do all of the people that know what's going on have to keep spitting and screaming into the wind or maybe he kind of listens? Or can can we at least get him to, like, not do a press conference the way that he did yesterday? Because here's one other thing for you, Jesse, that I don't think people... Actually, I know people don't understand, so let me put this one out there because this is the thing that makes me the angriest. I think it's the most vile thing this administration is doing, and I don't say that lightly. You notice how every single time they say every American who wants to leave, like it's, we'll get everyone who want out who wants to leave. Like you hear that all the time, right? You wanna know why he's saying that? Because, and I, right now in real time, I am trying to get a man who's got an American passport out, his 16 year old brother, okay? That man was under the impression that his 16 year old brother, a child, the only family that he has, could not get out with him on his American passport. So right now, there are hundreds of Americans trying to make that exact same choice. And the administration is using that technicality as this convenient way to abdicate the eventual responsibility that they're going to have when all Americans don't come home. Because I can't, I'm the oldest of four, okay? I joined the military in part in 1999 to get college money because I knew my parents at that time didn't have the money for all four of us to go to school, right? I stepped up, that's what an older brother does. Right now, you've got older brothers, you've got fathers, you've got sons that can't, that are having to make the choice of leaving on their American documents and possibly condemning their family to die or staying with their family to try and find another way and them possibly dying with them as well. That is absurd. That is disgusting. That is so lacking in the basic humanity of what America is supposed to be. And I don't understand why the administration is using that as this frankly, political get-out-of-jail-free card in the press. Oh, well, everyone who wants to go. Oh. No, everyone wants to go. You're just forcing someone into an impossible choice. Yep. Tom, be good, my brother. Simple five. Thanks, brother. You too. Jim Lehman, Army officer, coming up next. Hang on. And so there's a lot of reasons why they have reached out not just to us, but to others, as to why it would be continued in their interest to get more of the personnel 
we want to get out, we can locate them. Now, there's not many left that we can assess that are want to come out. Getting every single person out is can't be guaranteed by anybody because there's a determination all who wants to get out as well. Sure. There are lots of people who want to stay in Afghanistan right now. Joining me now, six-year Army officer, served in the Cold War, Jim Lehman. He's also a U.S. Senate candidate in Arizona. Jim, uh, people love Afghanistan. Shoot, they just want to stay there forever. Haven't you heard? Yeah, Jesse, this is what happens uh, when politicians uh, that are woke and elite try to interface with our military. You know, we've got great leaders on the ground. I can't say so much for our generals, but turning this operation over to the State Department when danger is imminent at the gates. I mean, these brave Marines stood there knowing that this could possibly happen. I just can't imagine what those guys are going through when <clears throat> their leadership was told to back off and let this operation be run by the State Department. This is just total incompetence, Jesse, at the highest level. As, a, as you said, as a, a past paratrooper and officer, and just as an American citizen, I grieve for those who lost their lives, these brave young men, along with their parents. And it's up to people in a country like myself that have to step up and take back this country to get it back to where American pride, but also just we run operations like this through elite military and not woke generals and state departments and people like Biden. Jim, how do we get this infection of social justice warrior woke crap out of the military? Because it's not like this is some PFC somewhere. It's the highest levels. The highest levels they're saying this stuff. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Defense Secretary, every one of them on down. That is cultural rot all the way to the top. That's going to take time to get rid of. Jesse, we saw this starting in the Obama administration when he came in as we have all heard and understood from some of those great generals that were retired uh, without their own uh, doing and then put in these type of generals that we see today. Uh, this Milky and this Austin even blinking over at the uh, State Department. You know, this is sending all of the wrong signals to our bigger enemy, Communist Chinese Party. Uh, that, Jesse, is why I'm stepping into the arena as a veteran and as a successful businessman, we have got to start curing this rot and we've got to get back to a, a American exceptionalism. This is a very dangerous time we live in. This wokeism and teaching our, at the General Staff College, and of course, uh, we even heard Milky talk about going through with the troops on CRT. You know, our military is set up and should be to be the most lethal on the planet so that our enemies see that and understand that, not to have operations like the disaster we're seeing in Afghanistan. What's it like to jump out of a plane? <laughs> the first one, uh, Jesse, is a little audacious, particularly as an officer, you're first in line in the stick, your hands are out there, airplane on the sides, your feet are halfway out, you're waiting on that tap on the butt to, to go and you're about a couple of minutes out from the drop zone and you're looking down and saying, how the hell did I get here? So, but uh, the elitism that comes with that though, Jesse, it does teach you, you know, what you can do when you put your mind to it, what the military can do when we are set up for elitism and 
in, in accomplishing the mission versus having State Department people run it or, as you said, these, these woke generals that we've got to take care of. Jim, one of the hardest things I've, I've seen recently with all the images coming out of Afghanistan, besides the bomb and the aftermath of that, has been the Taliban walking around with M4s, they have MVGs, they have secure comms, they have freaking Black Hawks. Can you please describe for me how in the world we could be this stupid and inept to arm the people we spent 20 years fighting? Just it's incredible, the incompetence that allowed this to happen. I mean, you look at these guys now have more Blackhawk cap missile, missile capable choppers than 80% of the other countries on the planet. Not only that, Jesse, but just all of the armaments and ammunition, as you said, secure communications. I fear heavily, uh, Jesse, particularly being here in Arizona on the ground with a invasion going on our southern border. I mean, these clowns in Washington have an open border. I'm pretty close to the Border Patrol here. I spent a lot of time with them understanding this issue because it's a very significant issue for our country. And I need and I do now have an understanding out with these Border Patrol guys and even met again with them yesterday to understand it. It is truly an invasion, Jesse. Two million plus we're on pace for this year coming directly bust to the border. Now, we all know 1,800 or so terrorists were released from prison uh, in Afghanistan uh, in the last few days. I can only imagine they're hellbound for flights to Caracas and then Mexico City and getting on the buses. You know, Senator, we have out here now, Mark Kelly, he's nowhere to be seen because he's in with all this cobble of craziness we've got in the administration now. We've got to secure that border remain in Mexico policy, thank gosh, the Supreme Court just stood up. We need Biden, Kelly, and these guys to get some fortitude and close that border immediately. Get this remain in Mexico no, policy truly back in we place. We sure do. We sure do. Jim Lehman, thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate you. Jesse, thank you, brother. Coming up next, Marine General. We'll be right back. Our work is not done in Afghanistan. I know we'll be removing our troops uh, uh, by a certain date, uh, but the bottom line is our, our work is not done. Uh, we're gonna have to go after ISIS. Uh, we're gonna have to go back in to get ISIS. We're probably gonna go have to go back in uh, when Al-Qaeda resurrects itself, as they will with this Taliban. Okay. That was quite a wake-up call. Joining me now, Representative Jack Bergman of the United States Marine Corps. I know he represents Michigan now, but he'll always be just a Marine to me. General, it's an honor once again. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. What exactly does that mean we're going to have to go back in? What is he talking about? Well, you know, those of us who served in the Marine Corps understand that before you go to the fight, you actually try to figure out where the hell you're going to fight and who you're going to fight. <laughs> And yes. the, the point is, we don't see that in this administration, but the idea is that we know we went to Afghanistan in 2001 because that's where bin Laden was hiding. He was recruiting, he was training, he was executing missions. And the fact of the matter is, that hasn't changed, whether it's al-Qaeda, whether it's ISIS, whether it's ISIS-K, whether it's Taliban. The bottom line is, 
we have to make sure that by we, we can reach out and touch these little jerks all the way around the world and we can do it quickly, not over the horizon as our uh, president has been saying, over the horizon isn't gonna work. We're gonna have to maintain some type of communications with uh, let's say folks from the Northern Alliance and others and uh, and reestablish the fact that we need to be able to reach out and touch the bad guys. Okay, I, I mean, I hate to I hate to major on the minor general, but my mind works this way. What does that mean if we do have to go back? And let's say we 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 get word on somebody three weeks from now in ISIS, we have to go in. How do we do that? Where do we do that from? Is it are we stuck in the valley? Is that where we're, we're stuck up with the Northern Alliance trying to launch missions from there? Because I don't know where else we're supposed to do it. Well, let's put it this way. Under the current administration, you know, when you don't know where you're going or how you're going to go there, any road will get you there. And that's what we've been seeing here the last <laughs> few weeks. I mean, it's, it is, uh, I, I, know, I know that you uh, understand about what I'm about to say because we've got too many Biden bureaucrat bunker bunnies making decisions Good. for Marines in the fight. We do, General, and I'll, I'll be frank with you. I, I know it probably has been for you as well. It's been a pretty rough 24 hours. Now we have the names coming out of uh, Marines that perished there. Obviously, a doc perished there. A couple, couple soldiers perished there. And obviously, as you know, dying is part of the profession. It is part of the profession. But you at least expect when you're out there bleeding and dying and sweating and all these things that you have competent leadership that is at least attempting to do right by you. And I don't feel like these Marines and their families now have that assurance and it steams me to no end. Well, you know, you're kinder than I am because I went from sickened to disgusted to basically thoroughly pissed because you never send <laughs> anyone to the fight without giving them everything that they need to win. And we train, we train to fight until the end, but we don't quit. But we got a bunch of quitters sitting in D.C. right now who are occupying positions of authority. And let's face it, State Department has failed abysmally for a long time because they're the lead dog. DOD is largely in support of a lot of activities. But the State Department, since we even went, were in uh, uh, Iraq, this, in the green zone, State Department, again, bunker bunnies, refused to deploy because they said, no, I, I hired onto the State Department to sit behind a desk in DC. I'm sorry, either step up or get out. Can you explain for people who don't understand what that means, how the differences between DOD and State Department and these bunker bunnies, like you call them, these people who've never left the air conditioning, making decisions for the people who are actually out there on the ground. Can you explain the differences, please? State Department, is when you think of the first secretary of state, Thomas Jefferson, by and large in charge of worldwide diplomacy, worldwide operations on behalf of the United States government and to ensure that we know what is going on outside of the embassies in whatever country we're in. State Department, it's its job to be that, um, that pointy end of the spear before the shooting starts. But State Department has, over the last few decades, has lost focus on what their mission really is when it comes to a 21st century threat that involves the internet. This is not the, you know, the, uh, 
the Tripoli pirates, if you will. This is this is a 21st century, um, very serious threat, largely involving the internet and largely involving non-station, non-nation state actors that don't play by any rules that we used to play by, if you will, in international diplomacy. General, I have to play this little clip from Jen Psaki, and I, boy, I'll tell you what, I watched that press conference yesterday, and I have some of these same questions. Two Republican senators so far have called on the president to resign over the attacks in Afghanistan today. What's the White House's response to that? I would say first, um, this is a day where U.S. service members, 12 of them, lost their lives uh, at the hands of terrorists. Uh, it's not a day for politics, and we would expect that uh, any American, whether they're elected or not, would stand with us in our commitment to going after and fighting and killing those terrorists wherever they live and to honoring the memory of service members, and that's what this day is for. General, forgetting just about the incompetence of what we've seen and how it got our guys killed, the President of the United States of America, please forgive me, does not seem like a functional adult. That was not a fully functional human being at that press conference yesterday, and he's the commander-in-chief. I'm honestly, I'm not trying to be uh, a glib about this. I'm not even trying to be just right versus left. That, that human being can't lead the United States of America. Let me make a comment about people who have there there are 51 commanders in chief in the United States of America the president and 50 governors they are elected to lead be the commander in chief of either their state or the country just because you were an elected official let's say a senator or a congressman that doesn't mean you're a leader i mean we're having the same thing in the last year and a half here in michigan we've got a governor that was a state senator but she is she's really not a leader we have the same thing here in the White House. And if you remember not too long ago when Robert ba uh, Gates' book came out, talked about how Senator Biden and then Vice President Biden has been on the wrong side of foreign policy decisions almost exclusively during his entire 50 years uh, in Washington, D.C. The only difference now, it didn't matter when he wasn't in charge. Well, it matters now when he's the president. It matters that he's not capable. It does. It matters a lot. And, and finally, General, I have to ask, uh, Millie, Austin, I, I don't know if you have history with these guys. It's not my business, but we do have to have some accountability on the military end, too, right? I mean, military leadership is not exactly what we want it to be anymore. This has been completely embarrassing, top to bottom, not just Joe Biden. Well, absolutely. Military, we understand in the military where we, if you want you can delegate authority down your chain, but you cannot delegate responsibility. And with that responsibility comes the accountability. General Milley knows that, Secretary Austin knows that, they need to refocus the Defense Department on things like war fighting, not critical race theory, not transgender identification, modification, all that stuff. It's time for the Department of Defense to get its act together when it comes to war fighting. General, thank you so much, and Semper Fi, sir. Semper Fi, Jesse. Coming up, we got final thoughts. I have a couple. Hang on. It's time to pray. Now, I, I, no, I'm not your pastor or anything like that, but we have dead service members out there. We still have American citizens in harm's way. 
We have families getting phone calls, going through a process, a grieving process I wouldn't wish on anybody out there. And we, let's be honest about it, we have a nation, the nation you and I both love, that is in some very, very, very serious trouble right now. We have some sometimes incompetent, sometimes just flat out bad people leading this country. And we are not heading in the wrong direction. We are racing in the wrong direction as a nation. So it is time to pray. If for no other reason, then we need a higher power to come down here and fix this disaster because we have a mess on our hands. So may God be with all those families who are going through hell right now and every American citizen. We'll do it again. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Bannikaram, here to announce a new season of our show in retrospect, which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.